following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Thank you for joining us for Pilgrim's Progress. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Take a stand for righteousness, O oh Lord. We don't live in a day when it's popular to take a stand. It's popular to get along and go along. Oh Lord, I hear your spirit calling for a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, who will take a stand and not be moved. Lord, could that stand be for righteousness? I pray in your holy name. Amen. In the book of Romans, 
the fourth chapter. Let's begin reading with verse 1. What then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather? What he discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified or made righteous by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. As soon as you read that, I could almost assure you, I know how you would, as a good American, interpret it. You would say, okay, Abraham believed God. He intellectually gave assent. Yes, God, that's true. I understand what you're saying. It's true. And we would say that that then was counted as righteousness. No. It doesn't work that way. This word in the Greek for believed means to be stayed upon. It means to be glued to. It means to be stuck to. Could we rephrase it another way tonight? Abraham took a stand for God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham took a stand for God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Well, let's go back and see what Abraham discovered about this and how he discovered it. We go back to the 13th chapter of Genesis. Abram has gone up from Egypt because Pharaoh has thrown him out. He's brought back with him his wife and everything he had, and Lot also with his family. Verse 2, Abraham or Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, the Negev is the southern part of Israel that leads on into Egypt. So when he left Egypt, he entered the Negev, And he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. So he's kicked out of Egypt. He doesn't take a stand for God. Instead, he goes back to the same old place that has been so familiar to him in the past. He goes back and camps now halfway between the world of destruction and the place of God, the house of God. And at that altar, he begins to pray again. And God does not answer him. Sound familiar? As long as you're in that camped out place, halfway between the house of God and the house of destruction, you can set your altar up, but God's not going to talk. How many times I've heard people say, Pastor, God may talk to you, but he doesn't talk to me. Well, check out. It may be where you're camped out. 
if it's because you're camped out halfway between Bethel and Ai, it says you're still trying to make a decision about which way you're going to go. And one time you'll scoot over here to the house of destruction and then it'll get too hot and you'll quickly move over here to the house of Bethel and you want to be with God, but soon you're right back here in the middle because it's not hot and it's not cold. You can just be lukewarm. You can go along and ride along. And it has a little bit of a sense of safety because if things get too bad, you can race to Bethel. And if things get too boring, you can race over to the world. This is where Abram was living. Now, it's in this place that Lot and Abram began to have difficulties in verse 5 because their flocks were so large They needed a large grazing area. You know, sheep will get on a pasture and they'll eat that pasture down. They won't stop there. They'll begin to pull the grass up by the root until there's no grass left. It's just barren. And so you have to move sheep often. You can't trust them to graze. You have to gauge what they're eating and move them on because you know you need that pasture to grow back for the Next week, the month after. So the land could not support them together because their possessions were so great, they weren't able to stay together. Quarreling arose between their herdsmen. So Abram, in verse 8, says to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Were they brothers? They were not brothers. It was uncle and nephew. Lot was the son of his youngest brother, Haran, who had died. And so Abram was literally now his father. So what was Abram doing? He was refusing to take a stand. He was refusing to stand up and say, here's the problem, now let's solve it. Instead, he said, let's separate. When we refuse to take a stand, the end result of that refusal to take a stand will be separation. We think that if we don't take a stand, we can stay together. Some will be brothers. We might be distant, but we'll be brothers. Husbands, they won't take a stand If I just chill out here and just cool, she'll come around after a while. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach that you win someone with sugar. You win by salt, taking a stand. Now, what I really want you to see tonight are the consequences for not taking a stand for the house of God. Oh, it's easy to take a stand for AI. But we don't like to live in AI too long. We like to live in between AI and Bethel, and that's the place of no stand. That's a place where we never finally set our feet solid and say, look, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And someone in the house doesn't like it, I'm sorry, we will serve the Lord. 
This house belongs to the Lord and all that is in it, and you belong to the Lord. And if you're not willing to serve the Lord, you're in rebellion. I love you, but you're in rebellion. I'm still going to serve the Lord. You do what you have to do if you're rebelling, but I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm calling you consciously to serve the Lord. Abram would not do that. He refused. And so they separate. Lot looks up. He sees the whole plain of the Jordan. It's well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot says, you know what? It looks wonderful over there. I see financial opportunities over here, and I see a place where everybody in the family can be very happy. I see a place where we can prosper. All right, Abram, I'm on my way. Abram refused to take a stand. He agreed to separation. And then he said, yes, you can have first choice. And off Lot goes to live next to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abram never says a mumbling word. He lets the son he is responsible for go off on his own over to Sodom and Gomorrah. This refusal on Abram's part to take a stand is going to result in utter catastrophic loss for Lot and his family. His children. See, the problem we have is that we think that not taking a stand is only going to influence me. But my not taking a stand is going to influence Jan. It's going to influence our two daughters and our two sons-in-laws. Abram refused to take a stand. Instead, he allows his son Lot to go off to Sodom. Verse 13, now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are. Look north and south, east and west. Ah, wait a minute. This is talking about another stand Abram wouldn't take. When he left Ur of the Chaldees, he would not take a stand. The Lord said, leave all of your relatives behind. He refused to take a stand. Instead, he brought his daddy. He brought all the family. And they moved to Haran place of barrenness. His dad dies. His brother Nahor says, okay, I won't go, but Lot's going to come. Lot and his family came. Finally, when he has not taken a stand, 
but God has finally brought to pass what he desired to do, which was to establish Abram by himself with his immediate family, God starts talking to him again and begins to confirm, these are the promises I've made to you. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I wonder why he was saying that. Could it possibly have been? That Abram in his heart was saying, Lot has taken the best land. I've just given him the very best land. This was supposed to be my land for my descendants. For God's descendants. And now Lot's family has the very best part of the whole nation. God comes back and says, don't worry about it, Abram. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give every inch of this property to you. Nobody's going to take it. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Remember, his nephews having children. Had two daughters. Sarah's barren. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. Instead of camping halfway between Ai and Bethel, leave this place, Abram. Go walk through the gift I'm trying to give you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Now it's at this time that war is brought on Sodom and Gomorrah. We find a very interesting thing. The scriptures tell us that Lot was a righteous man. He first moved down close in the proximity of Sodom and Gomorrah, separate from the city, with his sheep and his camels and his donkeys. But soon he saw the advantage of moving into town and living in a house. So suddenly, God has called Abram to be on pilgrimage. Abram is still living out there in the tent. But Lot has now seen the advantage, and he's moved into a house. And as he now lives in a house, he goes and sits at the city gate with the elders of Sodom and Gomorrah. Tonight, I need you to understand what begins to happen in our families when we do not take a stand for righteousness. The the ripple effect just keeps on going. And the sin increases In Lot's life, he was a righteous man according to the scripture. But now he's living right in the midst of the pagans. Now he's sitting at the gate. The psalmist tells us that when you sit down with the wicked, you'll soon be one of them. 
So now, judgment is going to come on Sodom and Gomorrah. And God sends an angel to rescue Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot says, oh, I can't, I can't run. Send me to this little town. He didn't want to give up his lifestyle. He goes to his sons-in-law who are to be married to his daughters, and he says to them, this city is going to be utterly burned. It's going to be destroyed. Angels are at my house telling me now, and they say, you're joking, aren't you? You're crazy, aren't you? Come on, get serious. Angels finally have to come and take them by the hand and force them out of town. And the warning is, don't look back. Lot's wife longed after what was back in Sodom. and turned into a pillar of salt. And the daughters, they decide there are no men, so they get their dad, they put something in his drink, and they get him drunk, and commit incest with him, and have children that become bitter enemies of God's people. Lot disappears from the scriptures and we never hear of him again. And now Abram has to look at the result of his refusal to take a stand, to be willing to just separate from Lot now that he has him in this place, Abram could have easily taken him into his family and said, okay, look, we're not going to have any more trouble. From now on, you are my son, and you are under my headship, and all of your cattle and donkeys belong to me. There's only one head for this household. It's me. He wouldn't do that. Instead, he was very understanding and very sympathetic. And, okay, you're a man. How can I help you? Get on your way. The refusal on Abram's part to take a stand results in a whole family being utterly destroyed. Now, I don't know about you. But I can look back in my past and see places where God was calling me to take a stand. And I refused to take that stand. In my family. In a church. And I've seen destruction come because of my refusal to take a stand for righteousness. And tonight the Lord is saying to my heart, take a stand. Take a stand for righteousness. 
Don't be a pleaser. Please me. Turn your face toward heaven. Set it like flint. Don't allow any person under your charge or in your field of responsibility to not understand completely what the stand is you have taken and where you're going and why you're going there. Take a stand with mom and dad. Take a stand at work. Take a stand with friends for righteousness. For Jesus Christ. If you don't, you're responsible for the destruction that comes in those people's lives because you refuse to take an honest, loving stand in the name of Jesus. And you too may see them slowly drift more and more into darkness until finally they're destroyed. How will you deal with that? How will you face that? How will you handle that? I've had to handle my failure by getting on my face before God and repenting and going to some of the people that I did not take a stand with and repenting to them, including my children, and say, I'm sorry, I should have taken a stand. I didn't. I can't do that now. Now I have to take a stand for righteousness, whether it's popular or not. And if a person decides to respond to my stand by saying, you're crazy, I'm out of here. How can I help you pack? There's no, there's no line for me. There can't be in the kingdom of God. I'm responsible for the destruction that results from my refusal to come into agreement with God on a stand for righteousness. The Lord blessed Abram because now he does finally take a stand. And he says, Lot and his family have been taken captive. I have to deliver them. And now he puts at risk his family, all that he possesses, his very life he puts on the line. He takes a stand, and God blesses his stand for righteousness. And he completely destroys this invading army with his 318 trained soldiers, his army of servants. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, comes and blesses Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. God can't deliver your enemies into your hand until you take a stand for righteousness. God cannot save your family until you take a stand for righteousness. Now, please understand, I'm not saying a nasty, angry, self-righteous stand. I'm saying 
a stand in Jesus Christ for what is right without compromise. Not with an attitude, but with humility, with kindness, but an absolute stand. Now I'm finding in my life that there are many stands that I have to take. I can recognize the the struggle in my heart. I want this, I want that. Just pull back, disengage. Or I can say no. I'm going to take a stand for righteousness in my own heart that that old way of race cannot arise in my spirit ever again. That that self-centeredness, that judgmental attitude, that anger, that bitterness, I take a faith stand in the blood of Jesus Christ that that cannot come back into my heart. I am giving myself utterly and completely to Jesus Christ. And he's going to be responsible for my life. So I take a stand. Another way to be would be to express this. I take a faith stand. I take a stand that says, I cannot in my own power force myself to do this righteous act. I can't force myself to change my attitude. I can't force Jan to change her attitude. I can't force Jan to change in any way. It's not my job to force Jan to change in any way. It's my stand to take a faith stand in Jesus Christ. Now, why am I talking about this? Because a lot of us have struggled with trying to cram into our flesh life righteousness. And Jesus said, you cannot pour new wine in an old wineskin. You can't put a patch of new cloth on an old wineskin. You can't force yourself to be righteous enough to meet the expectation of the law. The scriptures say that righteousness comes from another source. It comes by faith in Jesus Christ. It means believing God. It means taking a stand by faith where I will not be moved. I will be clear about where I stand and where my faith is in Jesus Christ for what I need him to do. And I'm going to pray that through and I'm going to wait 
patiently for the Lord to bring that to pass. Might be with a son or daughter. Might be with a boss. I'm not going to go and try to force that person into my position. That's trying to force righteousness into flesh. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do is take a stand in Jesus Christ by faith. And I'm going to trust him to bring to pass what he needs to bring to pass to accomplish his glory. It's not going to be my work. I'm not going to force Jan to be or do anything. But I am going to take a faith stand that she will be godly and follow Jesus Christ. And I'm going to let her know that my stand is to follow Jesus Christ. I may not even let her know the stand I've taken regarding her heart and her life. That's not her business. That's between me and Jesus. But I am going to be very clear with Jan about my stand for Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to waver from that stand. And I'm going to go into the prayer closet. And I'm going to take a face stand for Jan. And I'm not going to move. I'm not going to waver. And if I see Jan begin to do something or go a direction that I see as destructive, then I'm going to take a stand with her as my wife and say, Honey, it doesn't work. Our family's not going to go that way. And I'm going to take a stand, a faith stand. Now, does that mean she has to do what I say? Absolutely not. She's free. She's an adult. She can do whatever she needs to do. But she knows where I stand. And I'm not there today and then gone tomorrow. Every day I'm the same. Loving, kind, supportive, and like iron, I'm following Jesus Christ. Velvet on the outside, iron on the inside. I'm following Jesus. There's no turning back. I'm going to follow. Now, if you look at Abram's life, you'll see that there is a whole series of events in his life where he's shy of taking stands. And what you'll see is that God begins then to take stands with Abram. He has a covenant he makes with Abram. Has animals laid out on the left and the right. Carcasses cut in half. God does not let Abram walk down through there and make a a covenant with God because this is God's covenant. God instead gets his feet bloody walking through that. The everlasting covenant was again affirmed with Abraham. God has taken a stand. It's called the everlasting covenant. I engage that covenant when I take a stand. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. By faith, I'm going to engage in that covenant with Jesus Christ. 
I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to back away. I'm going to stand in that covenant. And you'll see that Abraham struggles with this. Again, he goes down with Abimelech in chapter 20. And he does the same number he did in Egypt. But finally, finally in chapter 22, he takes a stand. It's taken Abram almost all of his life to finally understand the issues we're speaking about tonight. And God says, offer your son Isaac on the altar. Now he has no choice. He either walks away from God Almighty or he takes the stand that God has called him to take. And he puts his son on the altar. Now I can tell you right now, I do not believe that Abraham would have had to lay his son on that altar in that manner had he been willing to take the stands much earlier as he moved through his life. But because he refused to take those stands, God finally brought him right to the edge. And he was faced with the reality, will you or will you not take a stand to believe in me, the God of heaven, and trust me? He passed the test. He took the stand. And I want to read to you what God said about it. Chapter 22, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. He's the one who made the eternal everlasting covenant. So he is swearing by himself, by that covenant, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All God was trying to get Abraham to do through his whole life was take a faith stand with the almighty God of heaven. And when he finally took the stand, God said, okay, now I can bless you. We don't have time tonight to go through the depths of Hagar and Ishmael. That was another time when he would not take a stand. His wife said, Take my servant girl. You can have a son by her. Now, that was common in the culture. But it was not God's way. And God had to so deal with his wife that finally Sarah took a stand and said, it's either my son or Ishmael. Get him out of here. And Abraham is troubled. And God said, do what she says and send them out of the camp. Sarah finally took a stand. Abram was still the pleaser. You know, tonight, I guess what I'm pleading for is that it not take us the rest of our lives to finally decide and understand that what really God wants from us 
is not righteousness that we produce. He's asking us to take a faith stand that he will produce the righteousness in us. To take a faith stand that we will no longer walk the way of darkness, that we won't live halfway between the city of destruction and the house of God, that we'll just go ahead and move into God's house. That our children will not suffer destruction because we've been unwilling to take that disciplined stand for righteousness by faith. Now, I'm sure if you're like I am, the landscape behind you is quite littered with accidents that happen because you didn't take a stand. Now, the wonderful part is God doesn't anywhere in Scripture ask me to make up for that. All he asks me to do is repent of it. And that's what the blood is for, to wash it away. So don't waste a second's worth of time beating yourself up for those places in your past when you've not taken a stand. Instead, ask God to redeem by the power of his blood that which has been lost through the lack of taking a faith stand. But tonight, take a faith stand and move out of that middle place Move into the house of God. Lord, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us the courage to take a stand by faith to serve you and to follow you and to love you and to not be ashamed of your name. Lord, what I fear most in presenting this issue is that it will be misunderstood and that somehow someone will leave this house believing that they have to be hard-headed. Lord, save us from being hard-headed legalists. Lord, deal with the pride. But Lord, let us by faith in love and kindness and mercy, take a stand that is unequivocal, that is uncompromising, that's filled with your righteousness. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. church so silent when the walls are crumbling down who will be a Nehemiah or an Esther tell me who will stand their ground even if my faith breaks the law I will stand with God I will stand with God 
Even if I take a jail cell, I will stand with God. I will stand with God. Just like the martyrs before us, they were willing to lay down their life, choosing to die and be victorious, never denying the name of Christ. I will stand with God. I will stand with God. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with 
from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. 